0: I keep reading this article and it keeps getting crazier.
1: Masturbation abstinence is popular online. Doctors and therapists are worried. <laughs>
0: yeah. Their problem is that people are not self-harming enough.
1: They say that people who are trying to stop masturbating are exhibiting misogyny. You just don't <laughs> like women enough.
0: It's like they just came out and said it. Like they're concerned about men trying to eliminate weakness.
2: Some men are starting to realize all of this stuff is meant to keep me dull. Distraction, distraction, distraction. And maybe you won't notice the fact that, hey, there are people who are promoting books for kids in schools. Maybe you won't realize that we're leaving the border wide open and having a total invasion if we keep you dumb. It's on your phone and you're soaked in it all day long. Wake up, join
0: the rest of life. They call it like a self-harm masturbation, a sin against nature. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa. There's a shame that's associated with that. NPR is funded by the government. The yeah, connection we funded is this. as clear <laughs> as possible. Like this is exactly an extension of what the government believes. <laughs> <sighs> All right, everyone, welcome back to the Loopcast. Today, joined as always by my co hosts, Erica and Josh. And today, we have uh, some emasculation from NPR. We have uh, rampant (laughs) diseases. We'll talk about the French disease later. Uh, And I even have a fun Twilight Zone video uh, that I would say is even better than the show Wipeout. Uh, So let's get into it today. First, we're talking about the feminizing of men. And this came across the desk this morning. NPR, aka National Public Radio. So, for anyone confused, this is basically the voice piece, uh, voice box of the of the government. Here, they wrote an article with great concern, and and you wonder what they're concerned about over there at NPR. Uh, it seemingly they're concerned with masculine tendencies because masculine tendencies are linked. They made a, a link. Uh, we'll, we'll discover how good of a link it is to extremism. Uh, I could not, I sent a few times over yesterday, I keep reading this article and it keeps getting crazier. Erica, could you uh, run me through the headline first and then w- what were your thoughts on the NPR article?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. So we're going to get dinged just for reading this out loud. But here's the headline. Masturbation abstinence is popular online. Doctors and therapists are worried. That's right. They're concerned. Kids yeah. in the car. <laughs> Kids, kids
0: in the car, wherever yeah, you are. Yeah, kids in the car. This, had this is going to get a little yet. bit spicy. But it's yeah. it's not that bad. That's not. I, I want to say you can really listen to it, but just in case you haven't, the thing is it's not spicy. It's kind of gross. It's very disgusting,
1: actually. Yeah. I, well, I was thinking of the negative for that, but yeah, no. So they're they're concerned about they they present this uh, that you know after two decades of the internet growing, there's there's fears about unfettered access to pornography online and. They're, you know, they're saying, well, there's this population in the United States and pretty soon we're going to get to those MAGA extremist Republicans, right? Where you can just see the line being drawn before your eyes. But we have <laughs> we have people who are concerned that unfettered access to pornography is emasculating. Yeah, no crap. So they're going to say, but then the next line, this is like the second graph. Many researchers and sex therapists worry that the online communities that have formed in response to these fears often endorse inaccurate medical information, exacerbate mental health problems, and in some cases overlap with extremist and hate groups. There you go. <laughs> right there for you, Poe. The hat trick. <laughs> How'd they do it? They so, do it every time. They manage to find a way to tie a thread to
0: MAGA with every subject. Right. It's unbelievable. Everything. The, everything. The latest, talking the latest being that America, even though it's inundated with Literal uh, fingertip accessible pornography, uh, filth in front of your face at all times, horrible sex education, queer everything. Their problem is that people are not self-harming enough, is, is NPR's issue with this. It's not that people are trying to do things to better themselves or stay away from it. It's that they're not masturbating enough. I cannot emphasize how crazy of a take that is. Like Anyone with eyes that lives in the world understands what's being done too much of, and that is not a real concern for average Americans.
1: Right. In fact, they say that people who are trying to stop masturbating are exhibiting misogyny and hatred of women. There's a whole section in this article about how you just don't like women enough. Ooh, that's rich. Oh, yeah. man.
2: By not by not lusting after him for hours and hours and hours and hours exactly. and hours. You're, yeah. You're weird. the real one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is isn't like lusting over him all day long? Isn't that what's creepy? Hello, people.
1: I, right. And my other, my other, re- this really got me. They start talking smack about Gary Wilson. So Gary Wilson, he died a couple years ago. He was sort of the driving force behind this Your Brain on Porn movement. I don't know if anyone remembers that from, you know, he was one of the first people to really popularize this notion that, hey, wait a minute, maybe unfettered access to porn is warping your brain. And in fact, it is. And he made it his mission to gather scientific evidence from top researchers, peer-reviewed, and put it all in one place, so that he could, so people could start to make the case that look, porn is as addictive and as harmful to you as heroin, for example. And he did an amazing job. This article starts off with Gary Wilson, who does not have a PhD, or who did not have a PhD or MD, and you're like, well, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe no. the PhDs are the problem here. They are so overeducated that that they is think a positive now, in my mind. Not, not. <laughs> Masturbating to porn means you don't like women enough. I mean, (laughs) like, please give me someone with no PhD. Yeah, but they really uh, just the elitism and the sneering of oh, he didn't have a PhD. He was just an adjunct professor of biology. It was ridiculous.
0: uh, Yeah, I have some sections of the of this. If if we could break it down here, that I thought were very interesting. So they they of course, you might question who are these experts that they're asking. And uh, I have answers. Uh, shout out to Mary Mar- Margaret Allahan. She did a little bit of digging of who they interviewed. Um, one goes as uh, Witchy Kitten on Twitter uh, and is a self-proclaimed sex these worker. These are the experts that NPR um, interviewed, you're saying? Uh, yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So these are the people that they're interviewing uh, for this article. Uh, so this, this, this isn't the person, but they were talking to a therapist. And again, I mean, I'm personally very wary of many therapists because it's like, well, what is their North Star? What's their truth? It's going to be very different probably than uh, my personal set of values. So a uh, quote from here, abstaining from masturbation probably. is not reasonable in my opinion or in my opinion, ethical treatment goal, said Grubbs. It has, however, become an industry. The NoFap community, for example, offers accountability and support groups for 20 to $120 a month. Well, being careful to note, it's not a source of therapy or medical care. Other influencers offer personal coaching or subscription content. There are therapists who feel masturbation and abstinence groups are not problematic. There are also rehab centers and retreats offering pornography addiction recovery programs, sometimes for tens or thousands of dollars. So she's concerned that, not concerned with the billion dollar with the industry of pornography, more money than the NFL, the billion dollar industry of therapy to get people stuck in that. They're concerned with a twenty dollar a month subscription to No Fat. An online community that exists solely to support people and their mission to get rid of sexual compulsive behavior.
1: That's like saying wild. that Alcoholics Anonymous is an industry. Like, wild take. She's concerned about the take.
0: financials. Wild. Right.
1: <laughs> These people are clearly only self interested in helping men overcome addiction and women overcome addiction. Yeah, I just looked this up. So the porn, the global porn industry is estimated last year to be worth $97 I mean, that's larger than most countries' annual GDP. Wait,
0: they left that out of the article for some reason. Oh, gee, what a shock. But
1: They didn't mention that?
0: Yeah, the journalism fell short there, unfortunately. Fair and
1: balanced reporting there. Good job, NPR. Um,
0: Also, a lot of people Hmm. boosting this article had ties to MindGeek. For anyone not familiar, MindGeek owns Pornhub. So uh, yeah, follow the money in people where they're asking, of course- Um, But another one, Erica, it goes kind of to your point. Uh, (laughs) Beyond the potential psychological and financial harms, other scholars who studied online masturbation abstinence communities often find they contain a lot of anger towards women. Quote, undergirding arguments about porn addiction is that the sex industry, which is made up of mostly, you know, women who are sex workers, that they are the source of temptation and that they frankly are ruining men's lives, said Burke. Well, that's a misinterpretation, obviously. The the frustration that former
2: addicts of pornography have with the industry is that yes they're obviously trying to allure you uh it's not venomous towards the performers per se you know in fact we consider them to be victims as well in many cases um you know like you should be able to be a successful person in this economy without having to to rip off all your clothes and do the base things and pretending that it's empowering which is the biggest mess. josh
0: all that being true, but I have a follow-up part of that quote. Social media researchers have found that the NoFap subreddit to be similar to anti-feminist online spaces. In general, these communities focus on eliminating male weakness, which Burke says has long been an appealing philosophy for some extremist groups. It's like they just came out and said it. Like they're concerned about men trying to eliminate weakness. Where's the? T- I I don't understand where they got the tie to the extremist groups because I have to say extremist groups, I guess, contain men. Yeah, but.
2: That was I mean, a wild the thing is, too. of course, NPR thinks extremism is anyone who doesn't believe in what the regime believes in, you know? And what I mean by the regime is like the overpowering elite that controls the media, that controls our culture, all the different movies, business, finance, sports. They're all like a Death Star moving towards promoting left wing stuff. And then what happened is some men are starting to realize wait a minute now, all of this stuff, this bread and circus. Like the Romans used to do, is meant to keep me dull and submissive and not to rise up against our oppressors. And what men are realizing is wait a minute now, whether it's watching sports for all day Saturday, all day Sunday, every night every week, getting into gambling of sports, getting addicted to pornography, you know, smoking dope, playing video games, all these things where you're just like distraction. Distraction, distraction. And maybe you won't notice the fact that, hey, there are people who are promoting porno books for kids in schools and in libraries. And hey, they're trying to take, you know, half of your income. And I mean, all the horrible things our government's trying to do. Maybe you won't realize that we're leaving the border wide open and having a total invasion if we keep you dumbed and numb with this addiction to pornography. So these men are fighting back. They're realizing, wait a minute. Now, does that mean all of them are hundred percent right on everything? No, who cares? I, don't, I I refuse to believe that I have to defend every person who's against this the point. It's a bunch of crap. The thing is that what these men are simply saying is everyone 40 years ago would have thought this was super creepy to be lusting after women this much. You know, it's one thing, a swimsuit issue or even a poor playboy, which I'm not saying is acceptable. It's still immoral, but like The stuff out there now, where it's on your phone and you're soaked in it all day long, dude. That's
0: creepy. Wake up, snap up, join the rest of life. There's no, there's no study or PhD or therapist that are going to be able to fully convince someone that that's okay because it really this it all is very unnatural. They call like you know self harm (laughs) masturbation a sin against nature. (laughs) Thomas Aquinas in the Summa was very harsh on setting against your own nature. There's a shame that's associated with
1: that.
2: 100%. I know Erica wanted to say something real quick, but I just want to finish this one little last point. And I know Thomas Aquinas, his quote on that has been going around or whatever, but I like this other quote from C.S. Lewis so much better. He said, for me, the real evil of masturbation would be that it takes an appetite, which in lawful use leads the individual out of himself to complete and correct his own personality in that of another, and finally in children and even grandchildren. And he turns it back, sends the man back into a prison of himself, there to keep a harem of imaginary brides. And this harem, once admitted, works against ever him getting out and really united with an actual real woman. For the harem is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifice or adjustments and can be endowed with erotic and psychological attractions which no woman can rival. Among these shadowy brides, he was always adored, always the perfect lover. No demand is made of his unselfishness. No mortification is ever imposed on his vanity. In the end, they become merely the medium from which he increasingly adores himself, which is why Satan loves porn and Satan despises humility and the true humility of love between a man and a woman in marriage, correctly understood. I love this quote.
0: Amen. I mean, we could just stop us talking on the podcast. We could just quote C.S. Lewis. I mean,
2: that he sounds... brought me back to Christianity, so I like the guy.
0: That was that was a. I mean, that's a bar.
1: He that was beautiful. The, and that's actually where I wanted to go. Just with one more note, as you know as as a woman as a mother we talk a lot about how fem- femininity and motherhood are under attack in our society but i really see porn and this culture of masturbation as an attack on the man and fa- and his role in the family and if the family is the bulwark against government incursion if it's the bulwark against elite control of the individual it's the man who needs to be there, standing, like you said, Josh, not looking in at himself in shame with his like fake harem, but looking outwards in defense of his family? And porn just totally, essentially, castrates him for lack of a better word, and makes him in unable to fulfill that role. Which is, I, I mean, I believe why the progressive woke left uh, elements in in our culture. Really do love porn. They really like Jeremiah path over at Washington Examiner. His headline commenting on this article was NPR wants you addicted to porn. I'm like, yes, the ruling class wants men addicted to porn because men who are addicted to porn, they can't even see the danger to their wives. They can't even form relationships with their wives or if they have uh, them. Get a wife, um, get, a even, get, get a girlfriend, get a wife. A, yeah. Right. And so, yeah, exactly. I think porn is that.
0: We need to clarify again, though. This isn't just some indie out there, uh, news organization. Like these NPR is funded by the government. Uh, We funded this connection is as clear as possible. Like taxpayer dollars went towards this article. This is exactly an extension of what the government believes, like what, what message they want to give to you, which is just crazy to think out loud, like that a government, this somehow has ties to our government is nuts. Um, and the way that I guess I've thought about this, uh, if I may, is oh, I, was, I went back and of course started going to Aquinas because he was a genius, obviously. I mean, his production was insane. But one uh, virtue that gets lost that I think of a lot when I think of this is uh, the virtue of perseverance, but then the corresponding vice, effeminacy. And effeminacy often isn't talked about, but actually I want to pull up what effeminacy is because it's actually a virtue like specifically... Uh, associated to men, and I just sent it around because I was like, man, once I found that, it was like crazy,
1: yeah, and it's not like exactly a virtue that we hear preached about very often because you know you, you hear about the virtues, faith, hope and charity, theological virtues, you've got the cardinal virtues, you got humility, you know, but effeminacy as a vice don't hear about that much
2: well, and i I guess I would just like to add, like you know, if St Paul came somehow to earth today and he looked around the scene and he saw how awash our society was in pornography, he would assume, oh my gosh, well, thankfully, hopefully, these preachers and all the priests and bishops are railing against this scourge. And it's like, <laughs> you'd never hear yeah. about it. Never. So I would just, right. any priests who are listening, I, I I, implore you. Yes, obviously kids are in the audience, but you know what? It'd be good for even the kids to hear. You don't have to go into gruesome detail, but you're saying, look, your phone is trying to convince you stuff, and the thing is, it's. I, I'd like to say to the ladies out there, it is extremely easy for people to stumble into it, not even want to be get to it. Like you're on social media, and your friend liked some post, and all of a sudden, like, what is this? And you just start getting served up this crap. So, I mean, I, I don't even have
0: social media on my phone. I, I it's crazy. It's like, give me a break. Unfortunately, at this point, like numbers are showing that it's not even a male-female problem. It's an everyone problem. I mean, this is actually a real right. problem for a decent true. amount of females as well. Um, but if you think about this, the I, I have the quote here on perseverance, according to Thomas Cornish, a man does not forsake a good on account of long endurance of difficulties or, and toils. In other words, the virtue of perseverance is when you don't give up doing something good just because it's difficult. But the vice of effeminacy is the opposite, namely when a man is ready to forsake a good on account of difficulties which he cannot endure. This is what we understand by effeminacy because a thing is said to be soft if it readily yields to the touch. So it's actually specifically talking about a specific hardness, like a specific um, resiliency that is within man. Uh, because I think he goes on to talk about how, how effeminacy is actually understood in, in um, like the feminine nature of women as they have a softness to them that's actually really good to their nature. But as a man, like the funniest part about relaying that definition, I go to the beginning of this article and they quote this uh, YouTuber who I don't know, but they were quoting it to make it basically make him sound crazier out there. He said, quote, nothing scares me. Nothing hurts me anymore. A young YouTuber tells the camera as snowflakes cut across the frame. He is shirtless in Michigan. Sick. First off, that's just awesome. (laughs) awesome. In January. (laughs) He tells viewers to make a point about embracing discomfort in order to become a great, powerful man. The YouTuber who goes by the handle, I am lucid, tells the camera he can stand the below freezing temperature because he has been taking cold showers every day and crucially hasn't masturbated to pornography in a year. That's the most beta thing you can do. That's the weakest thing any man can do. They started this article basically trying to make this guy look like a crazy person. But in reality, like he gets it. Like that's actually very like... Yeah. In good amounts, it's very discipline. virtuous. Self-control, discipline mm-hmm. like that—as mm-hmm. men is what we're called to be. It's crazy that someone would be telling you anything other than this. It's completely against any lived experience that any man has ever gone. Yeah, he
2: through. does mortification, and the other thing to do is to, you know, again humility. I, 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 my favorite quote on humility: Saint Moses the Black. You fast, but Satan does not eat. You labor fervently, but Satan never sleeps. The only dimension with which you can outperform Satan is by acquiring humility. For Satan has no humility. So I always just remember that. It's like it's not about you. What is the purpose of your life? You are here to serve the to know, love, and serve the Lord. And any vices, any addictions are trying to steer you away from God who loves you more than anyone and into your this prison of yourself. And so I just think to myself, who's the if I'm a man Who's who's my hero? Who's my guiding north star? It's Joseph. He was a man of impeccable virtue, who thought, you know, everyone gets a lot of people get this wrong. It's like I I better like quietly divorce Mary because I don't want her to get stoned and uh, adultery and stuff like that. He he didn't think he was worthy enough to be with this lady who the Lord had designed to be the mother of of His Lord, our Lord. And the Lord was like, "No, I actually tells the angel tells him in a dream. No, actually, bro, we want you here. <laughs> we want you a part of this. And his life is safeguarding her virtue, and that's just a great way to think about it. Like you know, and so that breaks it free. It's like this man devotes his entire life being chaste and celebrating her virtue and her chastity. Then I could sure, certainly give up this harem of imaginary, you know, women. Absolutely."
1: Yeah and to bring in the to bring in the political Joseph because of his humility and his submission to God and the angel's warning Herod doesn't get them right like the state can't get it Jesus and Mary they're gone they're in Egypt because Joseph listened and to that point I think this article really tries to set it up rhetorically as either you embrace this whole culture of porn and extreme ss i mean it's disgusting stuff that they're describing here and even, you know, changing your sexual orientation through porn. They're they're holding that up as one option. And then on the other end, they're like, or you're Andrew Tate. And you like hate Jews <laughs> and you hate everyone and you hate women. Yeah. And that's not yeah, at se- all this, that that's a false you're dichotomy. A sexist pig, right. And if that's you're that's the only other option. Exactly. You're a sexist pig or you masturbate. That is it is such a false choice that they're, they're setting up there. And if you're ever in a conversation with someone at the dinner table or at work and this comes up, you have to say, no, there's a better way, there's another way. And that is where the man, um, the confident man, the man who's in control of himself takes that and submits it to God, submits it to a higher authority. And that's how there's that fruitfulness and that protection of the woman and the child and society at large. Um, so it's again don't fall for these this is a total rhetorical device this article is just giving you a false choice in how to be
2: and there's a lot of people who who need help from this so be be compassionate it's not like 56 years ago where like this one weirdo in the corner was like a freakazoid
0: a lot of people are being sucked into this and we need compassion to help them out this is the issue of my time yeah like this is probably the biggest biggest spiritual crisis uh of my generation i have no doubt like the things that it does to People that would otherwise turn out to be pretty normal. men.
1: you got any good resources there, Pogo? If you could throw out a couple of suggestions for, yeah, guys. yeah, we
0: could we could throw links in the show. I'll yeah, we'll like, put some so links So there's actually a lot of. Well, I actually personally have never used NoFap, although I've like heard of people. Basically, the philosophy is you reach 90 days uh, of no pornography, no masturbation, and it resets your brain. Um, and funny enough, like this article is essentially the NPR article was predicated upon there being no research or data to back that pornography and masturbating can have negative effects on your health. And uh, one Google search disproved that. I mean, it's the most ridiculous on its face thing ever. And I, I actually was reading this and I was like, this is, these are the kind of people that are like, I need everything to be peer reviewed, PhD. And of course, they're cherry picking their favorite PhDs. But I think more powerfully, like everyone can just look upon their own personal experience, anecdotal experience with this. And know the truth without having to be an expert or without having to see statistics like because it is against our nature. It's not our nature to live with that imaginary harem in our head. If it's our
2: if NPR agreed with it, they would have legions of stories. They wouldn't need studies that are peer reviewed. And
0: it's cool seeing, too, like there's guys like Andrew Huberman now who's like basically America's doctor at this point uh, because he's he's so interesting. He is actually very anti pornography, very anti masturbation because there's interesting uh, pair bonding that happens. Uh, when you release, and that pair bonding actually is meant to bond you to your wife, uh, to your to your partner, um, and, and that's why, of course, you look at the the wisdom that ca- the Catholic Church has for your life is like live in a monogamous marriage, commit yourself to someone, get married before you start having sex. Like all these things are actually they they match nature, science. There's there's no disconnect. Um, so yeah, in terms of resources, there's a lot of great groups, uh, actually through churches as well um saa is one that i've i've can personally recommend uh they're groups of men that get together anonymously and the whole goal is basically to free themselves of compulsive sexual behavior um it actually was a saa specifically was created by um catholics i believe it was started by uh nuns and it's all very like as erica said submit yourself to a higher power rely on the body of christ through your fellow people in the group um honestly just a google search there's ways to find like maps of uh, who to get in touch with um i i could say it's it's a phenomenal the camaraderie in those groups of men being humble enough to admit like i have a problem and i want to work on improving my life bettering myself because a lot of this to a lot of people and they even in this article they they talked to someone's like yeah i stopped because my wife told me how much it hurt her my pornography use is hurting her and i actually think that's one of the um the bravest and most noble things to do is to see your wife come to you and hurt like that and just basically accept the humility of I need to do whatever it takes to make this not happen. And this guy in the article is like, yeah, and I've stopped. And that's an amazing thing. And that's not to say you're gonna be perfect, but like the second you can acknowledge like I have a problem and I want to start working towards more noble ends for the good of my spouse, for the good of myself, for the good of my soul with other like brothers in Christ. It's a really powerful thing, and honestly, that's probably what the government's scared of. I'm sure they're probably saying it's an extremist group or something like that. But the uh, the peace, joy, uh, and freedom that that can come from other men around you, um, also the sacrament of confession. Where do I get started with that? Like God gave that to us for a reason. Uh, you can work with a really good confessor. I would say like advice is like go to the same confessor. I know people are a little bit controversial on that in Catholicism, but Um, because some people like to hop around priest to priest but uh, priests have heard everything you're going to say and more and the more that you work with a confessor the more that they can understand your specific situation Um, if you find a good one hang on to them it's really valuable it can help you really work through a lot of things I know specifically as a man too I think the the male tendency is to put a lot of things on your own shoulder because you hear things I uh, just personally like I I don't want to be the one that has to dump everything on my wife like I'd prefer for my wife to dump everything on me or like my kids or my friends, or whatever. But um, that's not really a sustainable way to continue. So, the beauty of confession and these groups and uh, priests is you have a place to go to. You can lay all this at, at Christ's feet. Honestly, I don't know how to operate without that. That's just become such a central part of um, my life as a man. So, all of those things would just be like personal advice for me. I think like people in my generation uh, have been quicker, I think, to accept that because it has just been such a problem and people see it as a real like we need to do something about this so all that being said um we're gonna switch the vibe up now we have the super bowl coming up and erica is torturing me with super bowl making me make a super bowl pick i didn't even know there was a game going on next week nice
1: yeah but we have
0: we have a fun you know super bowl around the corner we have a fun video that i would like to show we, we can watch it live uh i'm gonna pull let's see
2: I don't know what made me do it. But one day I'd hung up and I'm sitting there going, hmm, I wonder if these things call out. <laughs> so I pick up the phone, and I hit, what, what do you do normally? Hit nine, right? Gives you an outside line. I hit nine, got a dial tone. <laughs> I dialed my house. And
0: the phone would ring. And I'd pick it up and it'd be Joe. I go, what are you doing?
2: I go, hey, how are you doing? What are you doing? What are do you doing? Who is it? is it? What are you doing? Why are you, where are you calling me from? He
0: goes, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to say I love you. And I go, oh, I love you. How are you calling? He goes, they have an outside line. I, I check in every stadium.
2: I go, I'm well, on the sideline phone. I found out that it calls. <laughs> so I thought I'd give you a call since I'm just sitting here waiting to
0: go on the field. So Super Bowl around the corner, Joe Montana out here calling his wife mid-game. How great is that? He's got his priorities straight. You talk about a wife guy.
2: I, I, I know, because I'd be <laughs> tempted to call Domino's Pizza if I was.
0: <laughs> Guys, you I'm hungry. You got 30 minutes to
1: get
2: here. <laughs> and that's not football 30, 30 minutes. Awesome. That's I a mean, real 30 minutes. He's...
0: Montana's a Catholic, That's right?
2: what I heard, yeah.
1: Yeah. Super Bowl. What are you going to do for Super Bowl, Mercer, besides cry?
2: I'm not going to cry. I mean, obviously, the Vikings aren't in yeah, it or whatever, but. All
0: right. um, he hasn't been
2: close in a while it doesn't hurt yeah well and like mm-hmm. the right. detroit lions like healy's comet they come around every 70 years or so so give me a break <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll know, see you if, know if i had to pick a storybook ending, you know harrison bucker you know for the chiefs kicking a game-winning field goal wouldn't be too bad
0: he's a good guy
1: that was fun i could do that yeah, again i could do that fun. again yeah i'm going chiefs come on pogo I want you to be contrarian
0: pick. and say the 49ers, but I'm tired of betting against the Chiefs.
1: Um uh, NFL's right. going to
0: throw it for yeah, I got, I for, mean, the, for the Swifties, right? Join right. Us. I got to say, yeah, because because you know <laughs> Pfizer has to get paid, and uh, Travis Kelsey's got to get his State Farm money, and the Illuminati has decided that the Chiefs will win again, and it makes me sick. I hate it, but yeah, I don't know. I don't feel as strongly. I know. So I, I got to talk to, uh, that. this was going to come out. I got to talk to Matt Burke, Super Bowl uh. champion. Uh, he was an offensive lineman. It was funny. He went to Harvard and he, yeah, played for the Vikings and played for the Ravens, which he eventually won a Super Bowl with on his last year, which is kind of a cool story. But he's the least Harvard dude I've ever talked to. Like usually when you talk to <laughs> people from awesome. Harvard, It's pretty. they make it pretty clear that they went to Harvard. He was so, he was Minnesotan through and through, great accent. But he played in the Super Bowl when the lights went out. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, if you guys remember that one Super Whoa. Bowl, uh, yeah, yeah. twenty twelve, Ravens forty nine ers, the Harbaugh, the Harbaugh boys Harbaugh were coaching against Bowl, each yeah. other. My and brother was he ended that up game. He uh, that getting game. the dub. Oh really? Yeah, no, actually, That's you know, cool. it was funny
2: because, uh, of course, the, we call it the Harbaugh Bowl because he had Baltimore coached by one Harbaugh brother, and the other Harbaugh brother was the coach of the forty nine ers. And so, of course, Nancy Pelosi loved it because she was born in Baltimore. Her dad was the old mayor, and then she moved to San Francisco and became the congresswoman woman out of San Francisco. So she, of course, had both her, t- her both cities she cares about. She's at the game. She's three seats down from my brother. My brother. Oh my like, gosh, no so way! So my brother, of course, just being a you know a <laughs> <laughs> typical. Classic Mercer move. He's like, "Hey, come on, get a picture taken with her." You know, in the stands or whatever. So I posted <laughs> it on my Facebook uh, page, saying, "For once, he's picking her pocket." Here. And I love that comment.
0: So <laughs> <laughs> you should have asked her for <laughs> some insider trading. Yeah, really, could have made some money.
1: <laughs> yeah, Give right. Me some
0: stocks. <laughs>
1: That's a cool story. I like that.
0: Uh, so yeah, that one. That one's coming out. That'll come out before the Super Bowl. Check it out. Really cool guy. He's got a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, he actually was. He was in the media for not attending the White House visit because Obama had previously said that Planned Parenthood is doing God's work. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was You're like, used go, yeah, yeah, that's not going to fly." I remember going. that. that was, yeah. Of course, they blew it up into a big thing. But yeah, just such a cool Catholic guy, man in principle. A lot of cool inside stories there. So anyway, we move on now to New Jersey. I mean, this is just like the this whole episode is a Twilight Zone, pretty much. Yeah, uh, pretty
1: much. Yeah. Erica,
0: what what's going on with uh, laws in New Jersey?
1: What is going on in New Jersey? All right, so we had the this is just okay. Nineteen. I'm gonna just read it because if I try to riff, I'm gonna lose it. Nineteen Democrats in New Jersey introduced a Senate bill two four two one, the Freedom to Read Act. Doesn't that sound great, guys? Freedom to read. Here we go. It creates an exemption. For obscenity laws for minors, it would exempt any public school teachers and public school librarians and public librarians, so also just your local public library, from prosecution for showing obscene material to minors, such as all boys are not blue or what was the other one, the queer boy. Yeah, so basically, your your local public school teacher could read all boys are not blue aloud which has graphic anal sex incest rape in it and nothing would happen to them because we need freedom to read it is this is mind blowing meanwhile I looked this up
0: did this get passed
1: this no it was just introduced so they are are debating it but it's New Jersey I mean it's as deep blue as Connecticut this is happening people So wake up. I hope all the Moms for Liberty in New Jersey are listening to this. They probably already know. They're probably there with their grizzly bear claws ready to go at it. Meanwhile, so I looked it up. I was like, gosh, it must be that public school teachers and public school librarians really don't have problems with, you know, child abuse or sex abuse. I mean, they must not be like those, you know, Catholics who have that issue with their church. Actually.
0: Wait, does this law apply to... to, um... Healing with the with, healed me with your mouth. Oh, I don't know. I think we're doing some healing
1: here. we oh, gross. I can't pogo. Oh, I know. <laughs> Piling on. Oh, my goodness. That's a that's okay, a true show subject, forward. man. It is a touchy <laughs> subject. <laughs> oh, man. But basically, our public school system has a greater issue with. Child abuse of minors than the Catholic Church, and again, it is evil. It, child abuse is evil wherever it happens, absolutely. But to say that the adults in a public school setting are exempt from obscenity laws because of freedom to read is absolutely putting ideology ahead of children's safety. It is criminal, and it's a disgusting, just warping of this this idea of uh, you know freedom to. To read whatever we want to kids. So the most recent available, now get this. The most recent available data. This was, uh, you know, right before the 2020 shutdowns. There were 13,799 issues, incidents of sexual violence, and almost 700 instances of rape or attended rape across 95,000 public schools. That is an increase from. It basically in a three-year period, they saw an increase of 43% in sexual violence and 74% in rape in public schools by adult administrators or teachers. And now we're going to let them show porn without any kind of repercussions to kids. It's just, it is mind-boggling. I, I don't even know what to say. I think I'm done. Oh my gosh.
0: I almost hate the, the line of logic of like, well, there's more sexual abuse in in public school than there is in the Catholic Church because, of course, like yeah. we're going to say it again, like all it's sexual abuse is evil. horrible. We want all the pedophiles of the church out of the church, out of the church now. But, but again, I guess if I if I could, Josh, the the point here is the way that it gets framed and the way that the media bashes the Catholic Church is like the only abuse, the only like they're the worst ever. It, it you would never guess that like oh, actually, the I public understand that. system is like a hundred times worse. My, I so. guess my
2: point though is that. When, you know, with the explosion of the sex abuse case in the in the mm-hmm. church, you know, in 0- 205 or whatever, you know, we had a, a bunch of state governments decide to revisit their laws because they wanted to provide an opportunity for victims to come forward and to save their case. And actually, I, I, you know, you feel for them. Part of it was that I think that they realized that trial lawyers were going to get enriched and trial lawyers helped the Democratic Party. However... If you if you if we just take them on their merits and, and 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 give them the best possible light of it, it's like okay. So with this sex abuse scandal in the Catholic Church, you thought thought it necessary to try to change the laws to to allow people to bring this stuff up and to sue and do all this other kind of stuff. And now with regards to public schools, you're making it easier for teachers and administrators to introduce sexually supercharged nuclear activity publications with to these kids. It's like it it boggles the mind. It's like, wait a minute. Now, this would be like, hey, after the sex abuse scandal is like, let's let, you know, members of your parish introduce sex, sexually explicit books to your kids. You're like,
0: wait, what? No, like this would be insane. Like it doesn't make any sense. And then you could do then you can't do anything against them. So not only can they introduce it. It's like, well, you can't sue. Well, you can't do they're legally protected at this yeah,
2: point. Yeah, if they, if this law were to or pass, yeah, a they would. If this law were to pass,
0: and it, and it's not like we we have a it's STI like the groomer bill,
2: <laughs> the right to groom bill. That's what they well, should call this. Well,
0: I was talking about the French, the French disease. That's that's a, a another way to to say syphilis. Um, it's not like uh, this. Kind of this all does relate. Ironically, I mean not ironically. This is all really sad. This all relates. STI numbers in the U.S. shocking. I mean, I didn't even. Erica brought this up as was like, oh, maybe we should talk about it. And I was like, do we really want to talk about like, sexually transmitted diseases? Just to be diseases? clear,
1: yes, yeah, sexually transmitted infections,
0: STI. And, yep. and then I saw the article and my jaw just dropped because, yeah, we're talking about 2.5 million STIs reported in the United States in 2021, marking a 7% increase in cases between 2017 and 2021. Uh, and they go into the specifics of the diseases and they're all humongous spikes And you wonder like, okay, people are getting all these horrible diseases. Maybe we should, I don't know, instead of telling people, go crazy sexually, look at whatever you want, do whatever you want. There's going to be no consequences. I can tell you one consequence, disease. Disease doesn't care about how woke your curriculum is, doesn't care about when it's introduced to you. So like any serious government will look at this as a public health problem and the advice they would give is to not sleep around, is to not have rampant pornography, is to have men be virtuous and self-control and all of that. But they're giving the opposite of every this is this whole episode is the opposite of good advice that you would give someone. If I were to sit someone down and give them all the things not to do, I would tell them the exact opposite of everything that all of these government sources are telling us to do here, which is just crazy. It's right. just like it makes your head blow up.
1: I think that like the whole the government approach to getting involved in our sex lives is just your classic case of reality always wins. Reality is always going to smack you in the face, no matter how ideologically like you're you know, pure you're trying to be with your woke progressivism and feminism and all this. But again, like like you said, Tom, we have this this culture. I mean, Planned Parenthood, they we just had an expose come out of Daily Signal, Planned Parenthood Sex Ed Curriculum, which is in public schools. And it is telling kids that virginity is a social construct meant to keep women down, that any kind of sexual behavior is normal and you should experiment. We have this NPR piece telling us that, you know, porn is good because, and, and what does porn do? It tells porn feeds on novelty. So you're going to try all these different sexual activities as you get more and more deeply addicted. And then we have numbers like this where syphilis, like syphilis have increased has increased in cases by 74%. And congenital syphilis by 203%, that means women are giving it to their babies, 203% more. This is reality smacks you in the face. This is something that cannot be avoided or even argued with, but they're going to try because what was the government NIH official's response in the article, which I will put in the show notes? He says, the reason why STIs have increased so much is because we have decreased funding. (laughs) <laughs>
2: to the need more money like, that's what biden says about the board it's border. always we need a more funding more money problem.
1: we need i'm like no always we need to funding tell kids problem. to stop having sex with everything that moves it, oh my Tom, god. thomas sawa
0: has a good line on government funding it's like uh something about like the, the government is the only thing that when things aren't working they say give us more money instead Let of like in business it's like to <laughs> do nothing exactly, more money will solve this as it's getting worse, like, no, nah, that's just not how it right. Like, maybe if you're screwing it up, we should give you less money. Just an idea.
2: And of course, what you said, what you both said about like all this stuff that they're promoting goes against nature, right? Therefore, that's why they're using government to promote it because it's so resistant. Like, it, humans, after a while, you try something out. Like, we had an unnatural view of, of alcohol. Right after you know we because we had the prohibition and then right after that people just start drinking like crazy, and
0: what happened you're at crazy, first like, like way fish. too much, way whoa, way too much, dude. The average I think the average amount of beer per person was like five to seven. Yeah, and then what
2: happened too is that as 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 cities got bigger and people moved into suburbs with cars, then alcohol became that much more dangerous because you're operating cars, and so then it took you know, mothers against drug driving to get people to say, okay, look, if we're going to drink at the bar, you know, take a, call a ca- taxi, now it'd be good, call an Uber. And so we start to, we're getting a little bit more like, okay, you know, we're kind of getting to more of a normal view of things. Like, yeah, enjoy a few beers, go out, you know. But with, with all this sexual stuff, they need the government to promote it because it's unnatural. It's, it's horrible. And it, what drives me so crazy about all this stuff, the left, they're always the one that like, you should be vegan, get rid of meat, you know, eat grass, be natural, you know, don't put all these things in your body. And then they just go out to the SED salad bar and with these people they've never met before. <laughs> like, what is going on here? Like, come on. Like, maybe, oh, maybe don't worry about like, you know, have a hamburger instead <laughs> of the guy you find on the corner. Okay. I mean, it's just <laughs> crazy.
0: It reminds me of like articles. I've seen people keep trying to you write articles about how like uh, polyamory is like. Oh, it's new. It's not. Polyamory, yeah. maybe should try it. And then it's every the time thing. I read the article, I'm like, this looks so unbelievably depressing. Like they can't even do a good job selling it with like a puff piece on polyamory. It was like, this depresses me to no end. So you're, if I could, if if I may, if I may offer a solution to people listening to this podcast, if you would like to, if if I could sit you down and I said there was a way that you could not pick up an std uh have more happiness and life satisfaction uh experience deep intimacy with a loving partner uh not be depressed uh l- physically very help- healthy high self-esteem uh feel very productive um it follow you should follow none of this advice you should uh none of the advice okay the catholic church has a path okay you live a life of virtue as a young man. You court a young woman that you are not having sex with. One one young woman, by the way, for all the polyamory heads out there. You work towards marriage. You get sacramentally married. You stay committed to her. And you have a lot of kids. That is considered a radical advice these days, which is wild. But that it's will externist. give you all the things that I okay, just mentioned. Okay,
2: and you know what? Just think about Christmas. Sounds kind of weird, but... As you get go from, you know, when you're six, seven years, eight years old, you're like, Christmas, this is awesome. I get so many presents. And then as you get older, you start to realize, actually, the cool thing about Christmas, I actually get more of a joy in giving a gift to somebody else. That's where, and and, and it's counterintuitive to human nature. Like, what do you mean? Isn't getting more things for yourself better? No, it is better to give than to receive. It's actually very true. It's not something we have to convince ourselves. Like, if you find something that really, a really nice gift, genuinely care about someone else. And you want them like, look at this, and they're like, wow, that was really thoughtful. You know what? All aspects of human life are like that. And human sexuality is not exempt from that. That these people are pushing sexuality as only the edification of your own gratification and your own self. And that's not true at all. Like it's better, you know, to to be in a relationship where you care about the other person more than you than yourself. And then it involves everything. It involves raising a household, it involves sexual health, everything. It's not me, 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 me. That's a horrible way to live. Two people are so selfish that they only care about themselves,
0: and we're just partnering in the selfishness? Like, it sounds horrible. Can't say much better than that, I think. Merry Christmas. So, uh, yeah, Josh, you can always slide this in here. Uh, you were right about something again. What's this now? Uh, do you want your? Uh, do you want to take your flowers on McConnell and the border bill? Well, what? Real quick. I'm going to put a timer on you.
2: Uh, well, you know, Senate... Senate uh, Republican leader Mitch McConnell um, admitted just uh, on Tuesday there that the the immigration deal quote has no chance in Congress. I quote now for those folks who are listening to the Loop Live
0: broadcast on Monday what what did I say Tom? Do you remember? I believe you said that the bill will be defeated and it doesn't have any chance in Congress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Who made you a plastic mug? All right, that for is those outrageous. of you on audio, Mercer who is drinking that? out of a mug. Mercer is drinking out of a mug that says, keep calm and trust the Oracle. Who did oh, this to gosh. us? Was this your birthday present? Yeah, that's who did that? Birthday. Yeah, that's Lori. I blame Lori. Uh,
0: <laughs> disgusting. Um, or did you
1: buy it for yourself?
0: Uh, this And this is a good opportunity as well. If you would like to see that mug live, if prefer. you would like to fight with Josh in the comment section, yes. uh, we have a show for you. It is Monday at noon. <laughs> Every Monday, Noon ET, we will be doing a live show. You can. Josh, almost to a fault, was in the comment section talking to people. Keyboard warrior. Uh, We have a lot of fun on those Mondays. If you'd like to join us, it's a good time, uh, and you can hear more of Josh's predictions come true on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, join that one up. Subscribe to the YouTube. It is just look up The Loopcast. You should find it. You should find us, and uh, it'll be a good time. So, Josh, congratulations on being right on that. Looks like James Lankford really got thrown under the bus. Um, and probably rightfully so, because that was a ridiculous bill, and I hope it dies and gets burned up. Twilight Zone, Erica, you're on first.
1: All right, uh, you know I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little dark again. Why? Just keep going. We're just gonna keep going here. Uh, the d- those of you who remember, we've covered the story of Lauren Handy, who's a pro life activist. She is currently in prison, I believe, still awaiting sentencing for conviction under the FACE Act. We've brought a lot of attention to her case, as well as the case of other pro-lifers being targeted by the DOJ for the radical notion that, oh, maybe a baby who dies during an abortion, maybe their body should be treated with respect instead of tossed in trash cans. So, Lauren Handy, uh, last spring—it's been almost a year now—she and a couple of other activists they found the bodies outside of a DC abortion clinic in a Foggy Bottom. For those of you know the city, they found the bodies of five. Uh, aborted fetuses, uh, babies, who were apparently premature. So we're talking like super late-term abortion. To them, it looked like two of these babies had been born alive and then subsequently just left to die from exposure. So they have these remains from the babies. They are arrested. The remains are confiscated. And now we have the story breaking that the Department of Justice got involved with the D.C. medical examiner, who, is still, who still has these bodies on ice, I guess. Um, t- to our knowledge, there has been no autopsy to see if any laws were violated, if the infants were, in fact, abandoned to die after being born. Um, and the DOJ reportedly has advised the D.C. medical examiner that they shouldn't even be involved in this. This should be a D.C. police case. They advised them to discard the remains of the five preemie-sized aborted babies, And this is coming from the Thomas More Society, which is representing Lauren Handy. Now, I want to be really clear. These bodies are evidence, not just in a case against this abortion, quote unquote, doctor, who is possibly letting babies, live born babies, just die on the table. It's not only in the case against him. It is also in the case, evidence in the case against Lauren Handy. Because if she had reasonable assumptions to believe that these were born-alive infants protected under law who were left to die, then it would mitigate her sentencing significantly. It could significantly affect her sentence. But now the DOJ is telling the D.C. police to destroy the bodies before an autopsy. And this is like deep, secret police state-level stuff. And we're going to continue to watch this story and keep you updated on it in the loop because, again... This is absolutely brings together so many elements of what's wrong in our society, everything from the the culture of death that we're seeing with these infants to the targeting of pro life activists to the corruption of our Department of Justice, and it's just total weaponization against what they term political enemies. Yeah, political opponents. But Susan,
2: M. Anthony, List, and, so, Kelly po- and a bunch of others are trying to <laughs> call attention to that. So kudos to Esther. was genuinely
0: like get the movie rights to this? Like, oh, this sounds I know. like a movie where the government's the villain I yeah mean, th- this that's is like,
1: like a cia movie this is i was like trying to think of a tinker taylor soldier spy but domestic it's just it's so bad and um yeah so keep please pray for lauren handy and her representatives pray for everyone who is fighting this this is gross injustice on so many levels um but most of all of course pray for the abortion doctor who who has done who is you know probably still doing this because there are no repercussions for this kind of behavior at this point in D.C. Uh, but we'll keep you updated. Twilight Zone.
0: Yeah. That is... Thank you for talking about that. So I I mean, as usual, I brought the fun. Uh, so I have thank a... Thank you. So there was a... a I want to watch it again. Uh, there was a competition, an inter- international competition in the United Arab Emirates uh, for SWAT teams. And so, you know, when you think of a SWAT team, maybe you think of movies as well. Maybe you think of, you know, big, muscular, athletic looking men. Well, now I think of Mark
1: Houck and pro life activists, but back in the day. You know, most,
0: most, so countries, many countries participated. They all sent, you know, their strongest and best SWAT teams here. Chile uh, took a different approach. They wanted to make a point. So they sent an all female SWAT team because they've been watching Marvel movies as of late. With strong empowered women girl boss and they really felt like this would be a good showcasing of female mm-hmm. skills so i'm going to show how the female team performed uh enjoy <laughs>
1: i'm at the part where they're like over the moat and they're stuck on the line. <laughs>
2: five ladies teams involved <laughs> I don't feel like I have to empower fat guys I by showing I can compete. Year. I just I'm I'm not up to the snuff on this. I don't. Well, I'm trying to.
0: We're
1: kicking three.
0: each other. <laughs> oh so, my! Are
1: gonna cry? Oh! oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the announcer is so oh, good. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god! He oh, wasn't she's trying down. to. Be.
1: Oh! The first one to get wet.
0: Oh, uh, just an awesome British announcer. <laughs> not even trying to be funny. There it is.
1: Well. They are stuck in the middle of that zip oh, line. Oh man. This is, Remember. Yeah, men and women if you are different. In the oh, ice bath, oh. you
2: have to go back. This to is the tough. the beginning of the zip line and do it again. And currently, Chile have uh, three team members
0: <laughs> stranded. <laughs> in
2: Rubber the middle Reggie.
0: Of that ice bath. So <laughs> 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 yeah, someone lounged you, just flew in from the bank to try to kick them. Didn't even work. <laughs> Uh, this is yeah,
2: I can't watch it I can't, I can't watch it anymore just... For the
0: audio listeners They're trying to go across a zip line And stuck over a moat of water And they all got stuck in the middle Except for one who <laughs> managed to get
2: across I guess
0: One managed to get across But she's now just kind of useless as well Unfortunately <laughs> Oh there goes Oh couple fell. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Another one oh. Drop on like flies This announcer just making it so much worse yeah. The British have All a right, we're way 145 of just in.
2: undercutting you. Like the, the masters so, of the language. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at, at 3.04, someone took a running start and just wiped out. Uh, I'm going to keep going through here. There's still, at 4.10, they're still struggling to get across. Oh, okay. So the strategy to get people across was to have someone stand on the side of the moat, grab on their leg, and drag them across. <laughs> drag them across. Brilliant. Um, That's I think how the bad used guys got away with to boats through the Erie
1: Canal. Oh man!
0: Okay, so six oh one. We got the last person sliding across. All right, they did it. <laughs> it's like a cheer they did the it. Ro- uh, six. Yeah, so six minutes and eight seconds to cross the, the zipline. So line when ho.
1: I when I need yeah. a SWAT team, yeah. am I allowed to like on the phone request? Can I have an all male? Or can I have no? They're coming after us because we're pro
2: life. Like, make sure you send oh, the right. Chile uh, SWAT team.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Chilean female SWAT team oh
0: uh, yeah yeah if they send the swat after oh, us it's, it's, it's all we're gonna be okay it's all female and they won't be able to to get across it just install a boat on your property okay. a zip line and a zipline they'll up. struggle um but yeah just a classic case of uh overestimation of abilities and i don't know if you've guys seen the show wipeout before are you familiar mm-hmm.
1: i do i know wipeout
0: just the best fun. i mean yeah. so good uh, it's just people trying to complete an obstacle course with the intention of things like punching them in the face or things being thrown at them or bouncing off of big balls. Um, <laughs> this was truly funnier than any episode of wipeout I've ever seen. And it was unintentional. This was a serious competition. Which made so. it
1: funnier. Slapstick. Yeah, it you're great. welcome,
0: <laughs> everyone, for for bringing that to your attention. I wouldn't send it all-female team next time, but that's just me. Uh, Josh, you were up. Well, I mean, I just wanted to pay tribute. I mean, it's not really
2: Twilight Zone per se, but I just wanted to pay tribute to Toby Keith. I like country music, and I I felt Toby Keith spoke for a lot of Americans in the immediate aftermath of the attack on September 11th, you know, because he talked about us getting sucker punched by someone in the the back or whatever, and we're going to light up their world like the 4th of July. And, you know, some people got a little too... You know, thought it was a little too jingoistic that we were just going to napalm and nuke everyone. That, in fact, did not happen. Of course, we weren't—we're we're not going to just annihilate other countries or whatever. We got bogged down in Afghanistan and in you know Iraq, um, you know, for way, way, way too long. We probably should have never even been in Iraq, of course. And actually, I think Toby Keith even understood this too. Like he, a couple of years after that, put out a song called "The American Soldier," which I thought was an exceptional tribute to all the brave men and women who are serving in the military and you know they are our proud warriors they will do whatever we ask and they're not they're not bloodthirsty they're not looking to conquer the world they just want to make you know the world safer and they want to go after pirates and terrorists but they don't want to conquer countries and they don't want to be bogged down in senseless wars and we certainly don't want our brave men and women abandoned like we did in Afghanistan and all the um, all the tanks and and armor that was left abandoned, like Biden did, we don't want that. So we want to make sure we always treat uh, the brave men and women who are serving our country in the military with the utmost respect and appreciation. And I know Toby Keith did a great job with that song, and he just had a lot of other fun songs too, uh, a lot of bangers. I like listening to him. Um,
0: <laughs> he did have some bangers, as the
1: kids say. Yeah, as the kids say. As I mean, I still say.
2: mostly am a. I like listening to to sixties and seventies country mostly, but uh, Toby Keith is great. He was he was an American original, and uh, we salute you, Toby.
0: Yeah, I, uh, the lyrics of American Soldier. Uh, whenever it hits, when liberty's in jeopardy, I'll always do what's right. I'm out here on the front line, so sleep in peace tonight, American Soldier. Yeah, it was
2: a total man, major respect, Check. and when the troops loved it when he'd perform it.
1: Yeah. These guys, uh, these guys put me onto that. Yeah, you all put me onto that yesterday. I listened to it for the first time, and I, yeah, I choked up a little bit. Could be the pregnancy really hormones, song. but I mean, it's a powerful song. It's good.
0: Yeah, and he he's gonna last. I was thinking about how many country music stars, I guess, are who, who their music is gonna outlast yeah. them. Like people will still Stain be power. listening to them. I, people are gonna be listening to Toby Keith for long after he's gone. Pray for the repose of his soul. I mean, I, I think he was really unique, as you said, he spoke. To, for a certain segment of Americans that especially kind of glitz and glam country music now f- don't feel like it fully speaks for and it was because you know he started out working on an oil rig He music was not his first thing he was on an oil rig he had the um, Lucky Something band and then he eventually he he put out um, I Should Have Been a Cowboy and how great it Should Have Been a Cowboy you know that's just a song that will be played forever it's the best uh, Red Solo Cup um He's just got, yeah, he'll have music that's out forever, but I think all the work that he did for veterans, and it was funny, he actually said he was a Democrat, like, he was a Democrat for most of his life, until, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, he said he got ran out of the party. Like, people were just, like, completely didn't accept him after that, so, Um, yeah, there's a great video of him uh, in a Uber that had karaoke in the back, like, they had a little screen, and he sang uh, one of his songs in the Uber. (laughs) It's just like all time internet video. The driver like, was like You got Toby Keith in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, shout out to all the service members. I don't. I think his dad was in the military. I don't think he was, but uh, what? yeah. One of he, he's gonna leave a legacy that people will enjoy for a long time. And he just got got some great music. So rest in peace, American original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, American music legend. So that does it for this episode. If you want to help us out, reviews Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, five stars if you please. Uh, if you want to email me, loopcast at catholicbroad.org if we're having fun talk, I got some piling up. I need to get to that. Um, also, if you want to be a part of the fun on Mondays, Mondays, noon, Eastern time, subscribe to the YouTube. It will be there. We will be there. It's going to be a great time. Uh, as always, pray for us. But well, we ask St. Thomas More, St. Fidelis, Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us, pray for all of you. And we hope you have a great week. We will see you guys on the next one. Peace.